Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Remember, one of the reasons why Nephi delights in the words of Isaiah is because Isaiah also has seen the Lord. He is another witness of Jesus Christ. And here in 2 Nephi chapter 16, Nephi preserved the words of Isaiah that are found in Isaiah 6. And it is essentially the calling of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah gives us a time frame of his calling. In verse 1, it reads, In the year that King Uzziah dies, I also saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. King Uzziah died around 750 BC. So for some perspective, the time frame from Isaiah to the people of Nephi is about the same time frame as the prophet Joseph Smith to us today. Anyways, to tie our Bible history to our Book of Mormon history, King Uzziah was a king of Judah. And all in all, he was known as a good king. He followed after the prophet Zechariah and God prospered him in strength and also victory over his enemies. However, just like the pride cycle shows in the Book of Mormon, the pride cycle shows in the life of King Uzziah that because he had been prospered, he became prideful. And he actually became irreverent to the order of God. He went into the temple to burn incense upon the altar of incense. And what's the big deal? What's the harm in this? The harm was that he had not been consecrated to do so. This was the duty that had been preserved for the priests, remember, for the sons of Aaron. They had been consecrated to do this duty. And though he had been a king and though he'd been victorious, he did not have the right to go into the temple to perform this ordinance. And when Uzziah was confronted in the act of him doing so, in the act of him pushing his way and ignoring the ways of the Lord, he wasn't humbled or repentant. Instead, he was wroth and defiant. And then right there in the temple, with the incense still in his hand, King Uzziah was struck with leprosy, which he had until the day he died. And this story is found in Second Chronicles and it's an interesting story that gives us some context as to the time period in which Isaiah is referring to, in which all of this is beginning to happen for Isaiah. So our friend Isaiah saw the Lord surrounded by six seraphim. The Bible dictionary says that seraphim are probably fiery angelic beings represented with wings, and they are attendants of Jehovah's court the ministers of the heavenly sanctuary who show adoration before the throne of God. So there's Isaiah witnessing the Lord, seeing and hearing the adoration of the seraphim. And what do you suppose his response was of such an awesome moment? Isaiah's response was, 
Woe is unto me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah felt unworthy. He felt inadequate and undeserving to be in the presence of God. I am a man of unclean lips tells me that Isaiah is recalling his weaknesses and perhaps even some specific moments in which he did not live up to the standards of the Lord, in which he regretted and caused and which caused him feelings of shame and unworthiness. And by the way, I'm not alluding that he had some serious sin or transgression. Of course, from our perspective of Isaiah, what we know about how Nephi feels about him and what the Lord will say about the importance of his prophecies. How could we imagine that Isaiah was anything less than holy and prophetic in all sense of the word? However, our friend obviously did not feel this way about himself. And that makes me love him more. Because all of a sudden, I can identify with Isaiah. Just like Isaiah, you and I may be able to quickly recall times in which we fell short. Mine was just a couple minutes ago, (laughs) I'm sure. (laughs) This feeling of Isaiah's reminds me of how President Spencer W. Kimball felt when he was first called to be an apostle. Have you ever read his descriptions of the emotions that he experienced beginning right there when he was on the phone with President J. Reuben Clark of the First Presidency? He described himself as being numb with shock and that his life played out before him and all those that he had injured or who thought that he had injured them came to his remembrance Can you imagine such feelings? I can. There have been times when I have been given an assignment or have attempted to muster up a lot of courage to do something new and bold, only to experience the shame of my imperfections and my misjudgments and my less than graceful moments. Then they come to my remembrance and I have had faces come to my mind who have witnessed those moments and it feels terrible. I want to crawl under a rock and hide and be so small. President Kimball said in the weeks leading up to General Conference that he engaged in a long period of purification, thinking and praying, fasting and praying. He would suffer through his mind's voice, which stated, you can't do the work. You're not worthy. You have not the ability. Oh, how our minds play tricks on us. We always believe that this is pure truth coming to us, don't we? It is not. Our mind is a part of our mortal experience that is in need of tempering and fortifying, just like every other part of our body. And I believe that in our mind is where the natural man resides, and it takes us to dark places. 
relentlessly having us review our discretions and enlarging them even until we succumb and we believe that we are unqualified and ill-equipped for the task that we're being asked to do or the increase in responsibilities or the new experience that we dream of undertaking. However, President Kimball, through his thinking and praying, his fasting and praying, was given the tender thought, a merciful thought that actually brought him hope. You must do the work assigned. You must make yourself able, worthy, and qualified. I think we can sometimes fear having to undergo a purifying process. No doubt this process can be uncomfortable and painful even sometimes. I think we often believe that an assignment cannot be accepted without already being purified and perfect. President Kimball's process began as soon as he put down the phone after having accepted the call. Isaiah's began after he was in the presence of the Lord. The Lord doesn't call perfect people. He calls people who love him and who are striving to be good. A seraphim flew over to Isaiah and he had a live coal in his hand. I imagine it was either burning or at least very hot, maybe even red hot. This coal he had removed from the altar, and he laid it upon Isaiah's mouth, saying, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. There is nothing that Isaiah could have done on his own that would have had the same effect the same sanctification within him, the same purifying than what the Lord's help created in him, what the Lord's help cleansed him of. It was then at this time that the Lord asked, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And this time Isaiah answered, Here am I, send me. Beautiful similitude of the Savior's actions in the pre-existence, but also a beautiful comparison to Isaiah's initial feelings of inadequacy. He went from, Woe is unto me, for I am undone, to, Here am I, send me. With the Lord's help, nothing is impossible. Whatever your calling in life is during this stage of your life, whatever assignments you have been asked to accomplish, Whatever challenge you are undertaking or whatever dreams you wish to pursue, you probably are unqualified. (laughs) I don't say that disparagingly. I actually offer it as good news. You don't need to wrestle with that thought anymore. (laughs) Just tell your brain, yeah, you're probably right. I am probably unqualified. But with the Lord's help, I can do all things. With the Lord's help, I can get started. And with the Lord's help, I can take that first step. And in the process of doing so, you will see his mercies act upon you. You will see your abilities enlarge, your capabilities increase. As you think and pray and fast and pray, you will become purified as you lean on the Lord and pay more attention to what he says you can do instead of what your mind is telling you you once were. In fact, as you're doing all this, 
as you're using the Lord's atonement, I counsel you to tell yourself more about you than listening to what your mind has to say about you. I don't know if that makes sense exactly, but I know it works. Sister Scriptorians, stop waiting until you are perfect to get started. Just do it. Bring the Lord alongside of you and progress in whatever good your path is taking you on. As you do so, get ready to experience a change of heart along the way, where at one time you thought, no way, through the sanctifying process of the Lord, be ready to see how you are on your way. Have a good day.